Beautiful. All right, people, welcome back to the show. First one I wanted to talk to you about, Dad. The government last year in October 2021 set up another task force because that's what they like to do, Mm -hmm. set up task forces called the Regional Banking Task Force to study and evaluate with the community the impacts and implications that have occurred from banks closing all of their branches in regional areas. This includes the big four. So like NAB in Newcastle, where I am right now, they closed their NAB branch here. A bunch of banks have been shuttering up their branches here and either offering redundancies to their staff or putting them to use in other parts of the business. Um, they released seven recommendations of what they could do to better support the, those in regions uh, impacted by bank closures. The first was that the ABA, the Australian Banking Association, should review its closure protocol and introduce a customer care standard by mm-hmm. 2023. Mm-hmm. Banks can establish a process for conducting and publishing regional branch closure mm-hmm. impact assessments by mid-2023 to provide reasons for upcoming closures. The, the third was to better promote and support bank at post services, which is when uh-huh. once to t- one to two times a week, a representative from one of the banks sits down on a table at the post office and lets people do their everyday banking at the post office. Uh, another is examine how the cash flow needs of a small business might be, might be met and impacted uh, considering a bank's going to be closed. So cafes and stuff don't have somewhere to go to get their float sorted. Additional support was also needed in regional areas for customers that might be more vulnerable to the closures. Another was to improve the digital connectivity uh, for the, the bank so it's easier for people in rural areas to access the internet, access online banking, and for APRA to review some of the points of collections to figure out better ways of assessing how banking services are accessed for the public. Um, Uh First off, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but there was nothing in the media reports I read about the banking task force that says anything the task force recommends has to be taken by the, has to actually be followed by the banks. It's just recommendations. The bank is, is not forced at all to follow any of this. So Um, it's also feeling like it's a bit too late. We've been talking about banks closing their branches for two or three years at this point. And a lot of like most of the branches in the big four uh, subsidiaries, as well as the big four actual banks um, have already done their closures. So it's not like any of the closures going forward that might be up for review is going to reverse or wind back the closures that they did over the last two years that have already impacted those regions. I just wondered what your thoughts are of the news. Yeah, yeah, there's no real surprise there. Like the banks have been, um, what's the word? They've they've been sort of saying they're going to review branches because, you know, branches are quite expensive. You know, you've got rates insurance, building costs, rent if you're renting it, uh, holding costs if you're not, you got, you know, if you've got a, a building that you could you could sell for whatever there's opportunity cost of you know not being able to use that money elsewhere. Um yeah, less people are going to branches now. One of the things we ask clients when as part of our fact find is how often they go to the branch and nearly everyone says rarely. Um bank branches are not um they're not attuned to the needs of customers anymore. A lot of people um, work 
uh, yeah, you, you've got two, two, you might have a couple working, both, both work. They don't have time to go to the bank, you know, hang around. Um, some people didn't want to go to branches during the um, pandemic because, you know, you didn't want to have to wear a mask or get, um, you know, have people coughing or, you know, you might pick up something. So, right. um, yeah, my view is if, I think the push for keeping branches open has to come from the union, not from the bank. The banks want to shut branches. They've made that very clear. Um, where we are in Dubbo at the moment, Westpac and St George are combining into one branch, so they don't have separate bank branches anymore. They're all in one. Um, I've noticed we've we've got a few customers who are banking with the big four now, who, because their their rates are are pretty sharp and um, they've got good cashbacks. And you know, we used to say to someone, go to go to the say the Westpac branch in Warners Bay. It's not there anymore. Um, you know, go to the um, X Bank in Walls End. It's not there anymore. You know, go to I think you mentioned NAB. Go to the NAB branch in Katara. It's not there anymore. You know, go to the Commonwealth Bank in um, or say the NAB in um, the Junction. I'm pretty sure it's not there anymore. Uh, I haven't been there for a while. So I think yeah, you know, if it, if it was me. I'd be if I was in charge of the finance sector union. I'd be talking to the banks about how we can repurpose branches to make them more attuned to the needs of customers, and that would be having them open after hours and on weekends because that's when people have time. Um, they don't have time. Um, you have to rush off to the bank during the day. Um, yeah, you know, they've got work to do. You know, a lot of people are on time clocks and that sort of stuff. So, you know, none of none of the none of this stuff is really gonna, you know, sometimes when they have these task force, you know, it probably comes up with a few good ideas, like, you know, um, if I was Australia Post, I'd be all over this like a cheap suit trying to get um banking services into the post office because um that's where people people are um yeah, people can yeah, there's post offices everywhere, and if you can get some banking activity, um, yeah, happy days. So, um, yeah, I just think yeah, you know, it's just gonna it's just gonna keep going where less and less people go into branches. I think there was a story we did last year where a couple of the the big banks were going to shut their branches at like one thirty after the lunch rush hour, and then be closed for the afternoon, and all all the people you know, in the branch would be uh, re, you know, given other duties. So it might be you know, working on the call centre, uh, following up clients, that sort of thing. Um, and to keep in mind too, um, every time there was news of a new regional bank closing, the finance union, the finance sector union or the FSU was loud and proud saying like, we're trying to stop this going on because we're, that means that there's one less, two less employees being employed in that community. Like they were vocal during all of this. Um, I've reached out to the FSU as well to talk to them just to like learn about what they're trying to get done. But it also seems like the, uh, the powers uh, that sect that unions have these days compared to maybe the eighties is a lot less. So it seems like they might be a bit kneecapped at what they can actually get done other than being a voice. Like even with what's going on now with some of the big four banks negotiating pay rises and how the finance sector union has been trying to negotiate for these pay rises, but the the banks are within their powers to go straight past the unions and just put it to a vote among the employees. 
and I'm I'm just yeah. I don't know enough about unions in the 80s, but everyone I know in their 60s says to me that unions have way less power now to actually like yeah, yeah, fight yeah, for yeah, a that, worker. So you, it seems to have changed. Yeah, yeah. Un, union membership has declined, um, but it's it's like one of those things that if you're if you're a business and you're losing customers, um, if you keep doing the same things, you're like just to lose more customers so you've got to change your offering and that's no different for the banks um, and if it was me running the finance sector union I'd be talking to members and saying look um, less people are coming to the branches um, for the people that do come let's give them a good experience let's try and not let them you know waste a lot of time yeah you know, I'd buy I'd buy coffee machines yeah, buy, buy a coffee machine. You know, when someone comes in and they're lined up, someone says, look, would you like cappuccino? So make it an experience so people want to come into the bank, to the bank. You need to get more foot traffic there. Then when they're there, you've got to be friendly. You've got to be, yeah, how I'll be, I'll be in a, a, a bank line with a, a new customer to a bank and there'll be six of us in the line. There'll be one person serving and three or four other bank people just hanging around talking or doing doing other things. Now, the the message that I get is that what they're doing is more important than looking after me as a customer. So say to client, say to the staff, your first priority is to look after the customers. When there's no one in the line, do your other work. Like it's not hard. It's like it's 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 basic customer service. And I'd be looking at yeah, talking to clients about. If they do come to a branch, when's the best time to come for them? And I think for a lot of people, it's after hours or on weekends. Um, I had a chat to, um, um, as you probably know, Newcastle Permanent um, do sponsor surf life saving. And I had a chat to the Newcastle Perm about them having someone at the beach on the weekends. Now, there's thousands of people at the beach. And some of them will be Newcastle Perm customers and others won't be. You've got to be where the customers are. You can't just keep jumping up and down and saying, we, we've we got a bank branch and you've you know, everyone else has to change because everyone's changing and you've got to change. It's, it's, it's marketing 101. So unless the finance, the, the banks have made it very clear they want to shut branches and They've been doing it for five years. When the pandemic hit and no one was going into branches, the banks thought happy days here. Yeah, because they were when they used to announce bank closures, there was there was not marches in the streets, but you know the politicians are up in arms and all this sort of stuff. Now, when they mention they're going to shut branches, no one raises an eyelid. So no. the banks are going to close branches, and it's up to the union to stop it. And that's. And I'm, if you're going to talk to the union guy, I'm more than happy to talk to him because it's basic marketing. For sure. But again, I'm just not yeah. sure that they have much power to do anything but talk, Dave. Like with the like, even with the jail thing I used to go through, it's been four years mm -hmm. that they've been trying to get an EBA done. Do you think it's because yeah. the union aren't trying or is it because they don't have a lot of power to do much? Oh, look, I think I think you're probably fine with, with the jail that the guy's running it as a private sector jail are probably, yeah, they're, they're trying to make a profit and they've probably factored in wages costs and they just can't afford it. 
But yeah. I think for I think for the bank for the finance sector union, I just think you, you, you know, need to reframe the conversation and 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 also get at the table. You know, try and get at the table where they're making the decisions and basically saying, well, look, you know, what's I'm sure somewhere there'd be a document in most of the big big banks where they're forecast five or ten years into the future which bank which branches are going to shut. I'm sure they'd yeah. know that already. They're too smart. So, um, but anyway, that's um, neither here nor there. Um, another one we're going to chat about. So the Real Estate Institute of Western Australia, obviously we have the Re- Real Estate Institute of Australia, which is sort of a, I guess, a lobbying group, you could say, but also an industry body for real estate in the country. And then every state and territory has their own state body as well. Um, the The available properties for rent in Perth are, hit a 12-year low in this month, September, uh, only 1,607, oh, sorry, uh, October this month, I apologize, only 1,675 properties are available for rent. Um, this was the, the last time it was at this low of a level was November 2010 with 1,537 properties. The president of Rewa, uh, Damien Collins, noted how uh, this might be a great time for people who own, own investment properties in Perth because they can charge a higher rent because of the fact that there's no rentals. Of, there's a little amount of rentals available, but he also just spoke about how challenging of a time it is for tenants. And to sort of summarize what reasons he can list for why we're in this position, the Perth population has grown 20% in the last 12 years. Construction delays and labor shortages mean families are renting longer while they wait for houses to be built. So the cycle of people who are renting, forming families, looking to get into their first home, it looks like some of these people are staying in houses for longer, which means these rentals aren't freed up as quickly because it's taking longer for houses to be built for them to then move into those houses. Collins, the president, expects the pressure to ease as more homes are built and reach completion, but it's just not taking, it's not happening fast enough. And it obviously reflects a broader problem in the whole country. Sydney and Melbourne are even starting to have the same issues that everywhere else is now, where there's not enough houses. There's not enough houses for people to, to, to rent. So um, I just wondered your thoughts on it before we moved on. Yeah, look, no, no real surprise. Like Perth's been a bit of a sleeper since the end of the GFC. There hasn't been much um, activity there um, in regard to like price, property. Um, sorry, capital growth. Um, and you know, probably about six to nine months ago, some of the buyers agents that um, we uh, recommend people use. Um, you know, when when they were talking to clients, they started talking about WR Perth market. And, you know, around, you know, within a sort of hour of the CBD as, um, you know, because, you know, you, you'd had some, you know, there was, there was some sort of um, growth happening and then people was were selling properties at good profit, moving and that sort of thing. So there's no, no real surprise. Like there was a good post on the weekend, uh, if people want to check it out on Propertyology page, we, um, we shared it in regard to just the tragic situation with rentals in Australia and, you um, yeah, eventually there might be a Royal Commission into it. Um, you know, why, why are people sleeping in cars and caravans and in tents? Because, um, yeah, there's only two ways you can get um, uh, investment properties in a, yeah, built or available is if either the government funds them or if private investors fund them. And the government's basically dropped the ball 
and they've kicked the investors in the teeth so much over the last five, seven years. A lot of people just sold up. And um, the simpletons uh, seem to think that if you stop um, investors buying, that someone renting automatically is going to buy that property. It just doesn't happen. You know, one third of, a, of people in Australia will always rent because they either don't have equity or don't have income to get into a property. So, and some people just choose to rent. Some people don't want to buy a property. So, and as we've discussed before, during the pandemic, um, the number of people in households has dropped. So, yeah, we need more houses for the population we had. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got, 450-odd thousand jobs we can't fill and we've got around that number of people unemployed who are all in a property. Now, some of those people can't work because of various issues, but a lot of them can and we're not doing enough to get people off unemployment. So what do we do? We bring in another couple of hundred thousand expats or, or um, immigrants to, to work because people here either can't or won't and then we've got to try and house them. Um, it's, it's it's an absolute disaster. So um, no real surprise with those stats. Um, for people renting, yeah, your rent will go up because of the mismanagement. Um, if you can afford to buy a property, property, property in Australia, in my opinion, can only ever go up in value in the long term because of the way we mismanage it. It's it's. Yeah, that's unbelievable. But you know, that's the that's just the way it is. You can complain about it, or you can go, well, that's the way it is. What's where's the opportunity? So, um, if you're in a position to buy, we're saying to all our clients, if you're in a position to buy, just buy, because over the over the course of time, um, prop, your property is not going to go down in value. And yeah, it might go down one year or two years when there's a bit of a correction, like we're having now in some markets, but. You know, over the course of time, it ain't going to go down because it can't. Yeah. Um, John McGrath is one of these. Um, I think he's the leader of McGrath Property, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he um shares like a monthly or weekly opinion piece that we always read. The one that he just released was him sharing his thoughts about the spring selling season and what he's learned and takeaways from it so far. Um. In this traditionally, spring season is a popular time to buy and sell houses. He, he sort of said, the market is holding up fairly well. Sydney auction clearance rates are above 60%. And that's despite a, a higher number of people trying to sell than in the last maybe six to eight, six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, he thinks that as, as in terms of Sydney's housing market, and how they're going through a bit of a correction with prices going down in the last few months. He's expecting that they're close to the bottom of the market uh, as corrections or, or housing downturns never tend to go down further than 10% into the negative. He thinks buyers have another six to nine months from now to take advantage of the prices falling before a recovery begins. And he sees it being about 5% recovery into 2023. And some of the ideas or also the things that he shared as uh, reasons for, um, sorry, pardon me, it's pissing down rain here. It just got distracting. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the things he spoke about in terms of changes in what Aussies like in a home, uh, he's listed uh, through COVID, things that changed before into COVID and now. So 
uh, how we want to live and where we want to live changed immensely. More people decided to move to regional areas because there was uh, the the benefits of having more space for cheaper for for a cheaper value compared to living in a an apartment or a small home in the city was a big factor. The ability to work from home and have as long as you having an an internet connection, corporate people could could move out of the cities and get bigger houses in the country. Millennials no longer constrained by big city affordability challenges as a result of that. And another was family. So. Uh, families getting into apartment living and being a little more free to do that as opposed to, to worrying too much and homeowners wanting flexible zones in a house. So for a long time, it seemed to be more fashionable for open plan living to be a popular uh, part of what you look for in a home. But nowadays it's sort yeah. of changing into people want a, an area they can set up as a home office. They want doors into each room. So it's a little more, private in room to room especially if they're living in a share house um like always like what were your thoughts on it and takeaways yeah look it's um i think he's probably right um yeah the market like the the stats that came out last week for september showed that the pace of growth uh, sorry the pace of declines was dropping slightly yeah not not by much but slightly um, and, you know, with, with median prices, it's always hard because it's not the average. It's, you know, if there's if there's uh, nine sales, it's what the fifth sale is. It's the one right in the middle. So if you've had a couple of um, big property, you know, if, if in the market you're buying in, there's been a couple of sales that are really um, high, that could skew the median. But, yeah, look, I think, think he's right. Like John McGrath knows what's going on. Um, Keep in mind, he's a real estate agent, and he's trying to sell property, and he's also For trying sure. to get listings. So, but you know, when he when he says, um, "Yeah, there'll be a re," he thinks another six to nine months for a rebound. I think I'm probably right because my view is is that I think um, with the RBA putting up rates again, maybe one or two more times. Um, they will push us into recession or close to recession, and um, sometime March to June next year, they might have to start reducing interest rates. And as soon as as soon as the RBA starts reducing interest rates, it sort of almost sends a signal to some people that okay, happy days, it's time to buy property. So I think the people that get in between now and then are going to do are going to do well um, as long mm. as you buy a good property in a good location. So. Um, but yeah, you know, no, no real surprise. You know, as we talked about before, the biggest issue is lack of supply. So, you know, while that keeps getting stuffed around, like you know, we we got a client um, into week ten, I think, of trying to get a granny flat approved um, by the leading granny flat builder in that area, and yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Good. Last one from me, Dave. Um, the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics, re re release um, the the figures and the values assigned to those figures for new housing commitments and new finance commitments for home loans. And they, re they, they release this monthly. So uh, for August, new, lo new loan commitments for housing fell again, but refinancing between lenders. So people who own a house, they live in the house, let's say they are with Westpac for their loan. 
the number of people that moved from a bank like Westpac to another bank to get a better deal, a better loan for what they were trying to do, hit record highs for, for August. So the figures were released showing new loan commitments fell 3.4% in August. So people, less people compared to July uh, got committed to a new, a new loan and bought a house as a result. But the, the number of people moving and refinancing was way higher than it has been in the, in the past uh, in, yeah. compared to the month before. Can I just ask, from your perspective, I thought it'd be interesting. We had the May rate rise was the first month that the RBA started raising the, the, the cash rate, which sort of then spurred on all the media talking about, well, we're going to be in a recession. Prices are going to drop, all this stuff. From a broker's perspective, how did the type of business uh, our business got, how did that change from before the rate rises began to now? Yeah, so basically ever since rates started, there's two things that are happening at the moment. One is um, interest rates going up. And secondly is people are starting to come off fixed rate loans. So what we're finding is, you know, people who are on a rate that might have started with a one or a two are coming, you know, getting letters from their bank and being offered rates around the 5%. So there, so we've got a lot of people um, who are looking to either, you know, we talk to their bank or they talk to their bank to get the, um, you know, the rate they're going on to off the fixed rate reduced a little bit or they're just refinancing and, other pe people that are buying. So we 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 talked, we're talking to a client at the moment who we first spoke to a year ago. Her buying capacity now is about 20% less than what it was because interest rates are higher. So there's certainly a lot more activity. People are a lot more engaged. Um and um yeah, you know, which which is a good thing, but yeah, the um rates, yeah. I suppose for me, and I've said this a few times, I still think it's a bit I I still think it's weird that no one's really holding the Reserve Bank to account for um, yeah, their continued signalling that rates were going to stay low for another two years. Mm. So but anyway, enough of that. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of refining. The refinancing numbers are through the roof, and that, again, is... You know, banks are not really looking after their existing customers. Yeah, because I think, I think they think a lot of them just could, couldn't be bothered leaving. Um, yeah, who knows? But anyway. Um, there was one, there was a couple you wanted to cover as well that you had in that email. The first one I thought was interesting and we put we we covered this on the our Instagram as well with a few infographics if people want to learn more about it. But do you want to explain to people um sort of the setup that we're looking at with the some of the banks and their estimates of how much of their loan book is going to come off fixed rates in the next couple of months? Yeah, yeah. So we just sort of mentioned that that um, you know, there's the the numbers coming through is that um, you know, probably over the next year, the year and a half, over about three tranches, that there's a truckload of fixed rate loans coming off their fixed rate, their low fixed rate. So people might have had a you know one point nine eight percent or you know two point oh nine percent. When you get your letter from your bank the rate's probably going to start with the five. So um, the you know, people need to get on the front foot. You know, we're doing that with our clients. We're contacting them all, say, two months prior to coming off their fixed rate and saying, look, you'll get a letter from the bank 
send it to us. We'll talk to the bank. We'll get you to talk to the bank, and then we'll we'll see what see what they're willing to do. Um, some banks to you know are being nice. Others are not dropping the rate as much as um, they could. We feel so. We then say to the client, "Well, look, if you want to stay with your existing bank." Um, It'll cost you this. If you want to move to one of these couple of options, here's how much you can save. And quite a few people are moving, but um, yeah, it's all um, it's all pretty good. The the next one um, about interest rate moves. Most of the banks have acted to put rates up. Um, a lot of them start this coming Friday, the fourteenth. So rates will go up. Um, other banks, some banks have already put their rates up. Um, a couple of them are not till next week. So, you know, you can expect to get some, you know, one of our clients calls it hate mail because um, you know, they get the letter from the bank. My view is that quite a lot of people haven't, their repayments haven't sort of been, don't even, are not even reflecting, say, the August or September rate rise yet. So I think we probably won't know the impact of the RBA's rate rises until probably closer to Christmas. Mm. So, um, but, you know, if you're worried, let us know. Um, just another couple I was going to mention before we shoot, um, Arjun Pallywell, who's made of ours, he's been doing some work around which area is going to reap the benefits of renewable energy infrastructure. He's come up with Rockhampton, Toowoomba, the uh, Tamworth, Armidale region, Dubbo and the Latrobe Valley um, as some, you know, he thinks that, you know, with each renewable project creating lots of jobs during construction and once the facilities are up and running, um, that those areas are pretty ripe for looking at. So, um, yeah, we, we're not suggesting that you go buy a house in Toowoomba today or Latrobe Valley. We reckon you should chat to someone who can help you, especially if you're not in the area. So um, that's just, it's, it just sort of shows that the level of um, analysis that um, property experts do to work out where they think there's going to be demand drivers and, they compare that to what um, what property is going for currently, and um, yeah, where they think um, there could be demand. And the last last one, like we sort of talked about this um, a little bit over the last couple of years, um, the, the broking industry is still pretty male dominated. Um, the number of female brokers has dropped. Um, yeah, starting broking is tough. Um, you'll see things on Facebook about, you know, earn 100 grand a year as a mortgage broker and, you know, drive a Lexus and uh, work three hours a day. It don't happen like that. Um, for most brokers, you do not earn any money for the first at least year because, um, you know, you only get paid when loans settle. And if you talk to 10 customers in your first month as a broker, only you might only lodge three loans. And if two of them are for purchases and it takes four or five months for a person to buy house, you're not earning any money for the first six or seven months. So um, Peter White is sort of leading the charge from the FBAA and the people from the MFAA are you know, trying to arrest the decline, but it's just sort of something that if you know, we get people who sort of um, see what we do, um, you because know, we get to travel a bit and we do a lot of work with clients around the country and they go, wow, I wouldn't mind doing that. And then when I tell them what sort of money we're earning, they go, wow, why would you do that? Now, we do that because we love it and it's a long-term game for us. But, um, yeah, if you're thinking of getting in a broking, have a chat with a broker 
and then maybe go and work as a broker for a couple of years for one of the big firms like an Aussie Home Loans franchise or one of the big ones in your area. Um, but, yeah, it's not not an easy ride. Mm. Easy. Well, if people wanted to get in touch with us as uh, to, to go off of that, um, we are mortgage brokers. That's sort of the business that we're in. It's uh, The business is called Money Saver Home Loans. If you wanted to check us out, just write that in and then put .com.au at the end of it and you'll find our website if you want to learn more about like, you know, buying a house to buy to live in or to, to buy as an investment property. We, as along with a lot of other brokers around the country, are, are around to help you do that. Um, about 70% or just under, I think it was 69.8% of, of the, the last month's worth of mortgages were written by brokers to then give to the banks. So we are quite popular nowadays and it pays to, to, to use our services as, as opposed to just going straight to a bank that's going to have one fixed rate option, one variable rate option, and one investment loan option. If you go to a broker, chances are they're accredited with a bunch of different banks, and they're going to be aware of maybe you work in the medical industry, and a broker might will know what banks offer discounts or benefits and cashbacks or refinance offers to people that work in medical or some banks love teachers. They love people that work in police that there, there are banks that specialize in that way. And most people don't or aren't aware of those specialties in certain banks, unless you're a broker. So it pays to have one on your side. Uh, and if you want to go to Facebook and check us out there, just type in money saver home loans and you'll find us there too. So uh Yeah. And Thanks Damo, just just before we just before we head off, you know, we just got a a note from a an offshoot of one of the big four banks. Um, they've just dropped their interest rates, so not by much, but they they've dropped their interest rates. So we're getting that all the time as brokers. Um, if you walked in today to a branch, if it was open, um, to another not this bank, but the bank, yeah, up the road they won't know that this bank has dropped their interest rate. And if they did, they wouldn't tell you because, you know, if you walk into the Ford dealer, the Ford dealer does not say, look, Fred, um, Mazda have got a factory cash back and their car's better than ours, I'd go there. They're not going to tell you that. They're going to try and flog you a Ford Ranger or, you know, whatever sort of Ford they got. So that's the difference. Um, if you go to a broker, you You've got a range of options and you've got someone who's always going to try and make sure you're in the best loan and look looking after making sure that the bank's looking after you. If you want to go to, we, we've had clients who have decided to stay with their bank after we've done a bit of work and I just say to them, look, um, the, the process we've just been through to try and get you a better deal and then your bank finally coming to the party, you got, you're going to have to do that every two, every one or two years yourself because mm -hmm. Your, it's a bit it's a bit like I, I liken it to if you're not happy with your partner and you say to your partner, yeah, unless you do this, this and this, I'm going to leave. They'll do that, that and that for a month or two and then they'll just revert to what revert to what they're used to um, on most occasions. You know, some people smarten up and go, wow, I don't want to lose this person. Um, some people might go, well, I'm not going to change because can't wait to see the back here, but... Um, who knows, but it's like any relationship. And um, yeah, as, as Damo just mentioned, there's some banks that will accept 100% of overtime. There's some banks that are 
um, favourable to people who are having work breaks or on maternity leave. There's some banks that are more favourable if you're earning lots of commission. Um, some banks, if you've got if you've got like credit issues, yeah, they they welcome you with open arms. But not every bank will do that. So um, yeah, if you need need help, give us a shout. Beautiful. We'll get out of here on that. Have a good one, people.